Have you ever felt that time is such a rare commodity you try to grab onto it and runs away from you? Have you ever felt that time that is so maxed out in our lives? I think so many people live their lives that way. Certainly we do jam a lot more in a given week than our ancestors probably did in a month or two. The average business executive is strung out. And we thought that all these modern technology of cell phones and faxes and and emails are going to make things easy. What they have done is that they put more stress on us to say nothing about the average mom. I'm convinced that the average mom clocks more on her car odometer than a taxi driver. I must add, with a lot more stress than a taxi driver. What with running around from music lessons to ballet lessons to soccer practice to baseball games to softball games to cheerleading to little league pizza parties, we're exhausted. The American Psychological Association not so long ago released a new study that showed that 43% of adults in America suffer an adverse health effect from stress. They said that between 75 to 90% of all physician office visits are stress-related complaints. The cost of treating symptoms and diseases that are caused by stress in America annually more than $300 billion. And because we do not comprehend, nor understand, nor have the desire to obey the loving command of the Lord that He gives to us in the fourth commandment. And God gives us this fourth commandment out of love, not as the enemies of the cross would lead us to believe that they are given for our punishment, that they are given for our misery, but they are indeed given to us because of the love of God for us, every one of them. It is out of His loving heart that He said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals and the aliens within your gates. Everywhere you have control, everywhere you have authority, it ought to be a day that belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. And it is a day for you to rest from your labor. Probably this commandment is the most misunderstood commandment. I want to explain to you why. It was misunderstood by the Jewish leaders in the Old Testament. It is misunderstood by a lot of Christians today. The reason for that is because our human nature, being what it is, we either fall into the extreme legalistic interpretation of this commandment or reject it and ignore it altogether. I'm going to get to the legalistic part in a minute. But let me give you an example of how non-believers see the Lord's Day. Time magazine released an article of an interview with Bill Gates. And they asked Bill Gates a question. They said nothing about Sunday. They said nothing about the Lord's Day. They asked him the question, why does he not believe in God? 
Here's what he said. Listen carefully. I'm going to quote it word for word. Just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There is a lot more I could be doing on Sunday morning. When I think about his eternity, I shudder. But that's exactly how so many people in our culture, and they're growing in number, are seeing the Lord's day. On the other hand, because the fourth commandment is the one commandment that you find in all three laws that God had given His children Israel, because it's repeated in every one of the three laws, it created an incredible amount of exotic interpretation on the part of the Jewish leaders. God gave the children of Israel three laws. He gave them the ceremonial law, which was fulfilled in Christ. He gave them the civil law, which was ended with Israel. And then He gave them the moral law, the Ten Commandments, which is for all people all the time, not just for Israel. And so, because this one commandment belongs to all three laws, repeated in all three laws, the leaders of Israel, so many of the theologians, they found that as a tremendous fertile ground for exotic interpretations. The Jewish leaders wanted to help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? Well, quit it. (laughs) He doesn't need your help. That's the, you know, the problem. Every time we try to help God, we make a mess of things. Well, these dear people wanted to help God out. They want to make sure that people are not going to break this one commandment because it's in all three laws. So they came up with 39 clarifications of this one command. And those 39 clarifications were divided into categories and subcategories all the way to every area of life, that it literally would take you hours just to read those 39 clarifications. I'm convinced they were written by lawyers. They're the only ones who can write 50 pages and call it a brief. (laughs) Well, just let me give you some example. One one category in the Talmud uh, forbade the carrying of any load whatsoever on the Sabbath. You remember Jesus confronted that when he took the grain and they were so angry at him for taking a grain on Sabbath when he healed the sick on the Sabbath. So they made a prohibition, no carrying any load whatsoever. And then they hedged that prohibition with another prohibition for every area of life, for every aspect of life. They left nothing out. (laughs) So they said, Anything that is as heavy as a dry fig is constituted a load that cannot be carried on the Sabbath. But you can carry half a fig unless you put it down and then you pick it up again, you double the load. (laughs) And that becomes a grievous sin. They could pick up a child happily. They can pick up a child on the Sabbath. A little baby cries. They can pick him up. But They have to ensure to examine the hands of the baby and make sure that the baby is not carrying anything in his or her hand because that would be a grievous sin because they're carrying a load. You know, I'll never forget the very first trip to Israel. And uh, there were four of us traveling, and we got there on Friday morning. And uh, we said we're going to rest from jet lag for the rest of the day and then meet our host for dinner that day, Friday night. 
So we rested, and Elizabeth and I got in the elevator, and I can't remember the 20th, 21st floor, but way up there, and in a little town called Netanya, beautiful little place in, in, in the Mediterranean, on the Mediterranean in Israel. And, and we got to the elevator. There were three or four people there. I couldn't remember. And, and then I went to push the lobby, and I noticed all the lights of all the floors were pushed in. They all lit up. And I kind of try to be funny. You know, my kids always tell me, say, Dad, don't try to be funny. You don't, you're not funny. So, I, but sometimes I try. You know, I give it my best shot. And I was trying to make conversation with these dear people. And with pure ignorance, I said, oh, a kid must have come here and pushed every one of those buttons. Well, they looked at each other and they looked at me. And I didn't get the message. So, I kept pushing my foot in my mouth and I said... Those kids came in here. They pushed every one of those buttons. My goodness, these kids are, they really need some discipline. And, and I tried to get, they looked at each other, then they looked at me, and I got message. Message gotten. Kept my mouth shut until I got down to the lobby. And then I asked my host. I said, you know, I was trying to make small talk in, in the elevator, and I told him what happened, and he laughed. He said, you know, the, you must have got into the Shabbat elevator. I said, the what? I know what the Shabbat is. It's sundown to sundown, Friday to Saturday. That's the Sabbath. But what's the Shabbat elevator? I said, ah, the management of the hotels, on Friday afternoon, they come in and they turn all the floors on in the elevators. So the floor has to stop, the elevator has to stop in every floor because they are not supposed to come in touch with electricity. They're not supposed to push their finger into that light because that is labor. That is work on the Sabbath. And I remember from that moment, in fact, I remember that night when I went back to my hotel, I, hotel room, I couldn't, I couldn't be more thankful to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who over and over and over again tried to correct all these misconceptions regarding the Sabbath. I am so grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ again and again pointed out the error of this perception of the Sabbath. I am so thankful to the Lord Jesus who showed us how man can take a clear command that is meant to bless us and turn it around and make it such a burdensome command. I am grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ who made it clear that the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. But there's something you must understand here about all of the Ten Commandments, if you haven't already picked on it as we've been going through this series. There's something of uttermost importance that you must get deep into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit, because we have a culture that is saying the opposite. And the thing is this, that the Ten Commandments are God's gift to humanity, not for punishment. That the Ten Commandments are the expression of God's love to humanity, not anger. That the Ten Commandments are the expression of God's grace and God's mercy and God's favor, not misery. The Ten Commandments are God's way of giving us that which is best for us, not to harm us. And that is out of His love and out of His mercy and out of His grace that God said, one day a week, you must stop running around and focus on me as you rest. That he, out of his love, out of his mercy, and out of grace, that he said, one day a week, you must get off the treadmill of life 
and rejoice in me as you rest. That one day a week you must forget about your work and remember my work of creating you, of redeeming you. One day a week you must mentally, physically, psychologically cease your normal activities in order that you might do the work of remembering me. Remembering what? Remembering His love for us. Remembering His mercy to us. Remembering His blessings that He gives us. Remembering His goodness to us. Remembering the gifts that He showers us with. Remembering His kindness to us. In fact, the fourth commandment is truly God's mercy to Israel. When they came into the wilderness, and until they came into the wilderness and they heard the command of God, they had no Sabbath. They worked seven days a week, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, no rest from day to night. And that is why God said, I did not create man to live for work, but work for man. And it is out of love for them out of love for us, that he wanted us to take one day a week in order to dedicate it to him as we rest from our labor. Here's something I want you to listen to me very carefully, that Bill Gates and all the people who think like him will never understand until they really woke up, wake up in eternity and it's too late. There is one thing that they will never understand until the Holy Spirit comes in and opens their blind eyes. There is one thing that you believers in Christ may have forgotten and tend to forget. Let me tell you what it is. That God can bless the six days far more than seven. That God can bless a dollar more than a billion dollars. That God can bless one hour more than a lifetime of work. But sadly, the Israelites kept on breaking the Sabbath. They were wondering if they're going to miss out on some business deal so they work on the Sabbath. They were wondering if they're going to miss on some opportunity to make more money so they had to work on the Sabbath. And God kept saying through the prophets again and again and again, please obey the Sabbath. Listen, this is the way I created you to do. I want you to focus on me one day a week. And finally... You read throughout the pages of the Old Testament that God permitted them to be taken into exile until they learned that lesson. But there's something else that I want to tell you here. If you forget everything else I've said so far, please listen carefully to me. Three words, remember the Sabbath day. Three words. The word remember does not mean just today is Sunday. I remember that. No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that at all. The word is far more pregnant with meaning than just, yeah, I I remember this is the Sabbath. In fact, guys, let me tell you something. Remembering the Sabbath day will be the same way as you're supposed to remember your anniversary. Now, you try to scratch your head and say, oh, yeah, I remember we were married on that day some time ago. No, it takes work. It takes preparation. It takes dinner for two. It takes flowers. It takes a whole lot more than just scratching your head and say, yeah, I remember. (laughs) Now, guys, I want to make you a promise. Try to do that next anniversary and just say, yeah, I remember on that day and do nothing. All I can say is, God, have mercy on your soul. (laughs) Well, listen, remembering the Lord's day is the same way. It's the same way. 
You prepare for it. You prepare for worship the night before. You prepare for worship the morning of coming to worship. You prepare your heart. You prepare your mind. You prepare your spirit to come and have an encounter with the living God. Because if you do not prepare for worship sooner or later, you are going to look upon going to church as a routine and you're going to get bored. Sooner or later, you're going to become bored with worship and you look for something more exciting to do on Sunday. You know, most folks ask me, they ask me why I do not go out on Saturday night. I do not go out Saturday night. So, guys, don't invite me out Saturday night because I'm going to say no. You say, why why Saturday night? Well, let me explain to you why. I am the kind of person that if I go out and I'm with people, I, I do a lot of focus and concentration and energy talking to people. And when I do that, I become mentally stimulated. And if I become mentally stimulated, I am not going to sleep very well on, on Saturday night. And if I don't sleep very well on Saturday night, I'm going to come over here looking like a zombie. And there's no use both of us coming here looking like zombies. <laughs> Remembering the Sabbath day, it means that you prepare for it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every way to come with great expectations. You are going to be worshiping the living God, but you're going to have an encounter with the living God. That's what worship is all about. I heard about the preacher who cut church on Sunday, one Sunday. He was playing hooky, and he called Sunday morning, called the deacon. He said, it's a small town, and he said, now deacon, he said, you're going to preach this morning. I'm not, very, I'm not feeling very well. A few minutes later, he started getting dressed, and his wife said, what are you doing? You just called and said you're sick, and you're not going to church. He said, well, I'm going to play golf today. She said, play golf? What if somebody sees you? He said, I'm going to go so far away, nobody will know me. So sure enough, he got dressed, took his golf clubs, got in the car, and drove a long way away from home. And then he got to the golf course, and he started teeing off. And two angels showed up. <laughs> One angel said to the other, Shall I send the ball to the rough? Shall I send it to the woods? I said, no, 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 no. Give him hole in one. He said, hole in one? This man lied. He's cutting church. He not only cut church, he lied about it. How can you reward him? We need to punish him. And she said, no, no, no. Hole in one. He said, why? He said, whom is he going to tell? (laughs) In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. But in the New Testament, the Sabbath has become the first day of the week. Why? Why has it become the first day of the week? Because the disciples of Jesus Christ saw that Jesus himself rose from the dead on Sunday, that he appeared to Thomas on Sunday, that he appeared to the disciples of Emmaus on Sunday, that the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came on Sunday. And in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 7, their early church was worshiping on the first day of the week. And therefore, the early church saw that Sunday preceded Saturday as the Lord's day. Paul tells the Corinthians, chapter 16 and verse 2, he tells them to take the Lord's money and to set it aside on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. And now Sunday has become the Lord's day. A day in which we set aside for focusing on God, focusing on the work of God, taking time out of our work to focus on His work. I grew up in a home, godly home, 
where we'd never buy anything on Sunday. It wasn't necessarily legalistic, and necessarily we try to impose that on other people. But for our home, my father said, we're not going to buy anything on Sunday. My mother cooked the Sunday meal on Saturday night, so that the whole day is focused on worshiping the living Christ and resting. But we know, you know and I know, that there are people who have to work on Sunday. The doctors, the nurses, those who are forced to work on Sunday, they cannot help that. The the, the emergency workers and the rest of it. But this command of God is to everyone who has a choice to focus that day on resting from normal activities and focusing on Him. For those of us who have that choice, it's a command to every one of us. For those who cannot observe it, another day of rest and focusing on the work of God is vitally important. But the truth is, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, He's going to be the Lord of Sunday. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, He's going to be the Lord of the Lord's day. That's the bottom line. You don't need me or anybody else to give you a list of do's and don'ts. If he's the Lord of your life, you would never ask the question, what should I do on Sunday, what should I do on Sunday? He is the Lord of Sunday. And if you want to honor him, then you obey his command. Do you want to honor Jesus? During the French Revolution, in their rebellion and in their wanting to turn away from God, they disestablished the Lord's day. And soon they had to reinstate it because people were totally exhausted. And the communists did the same thing in the Soviet Union. They come up with this fancy idea of 10-day week. And soon they had to go back to what God had established because people were exhausted and they were collapsing. And they had to go back to what God has established. Hear me right, please. Just as the tithe belongs to the Lord and not to you, so is the Lord's day. It belongs to the Lord and not to you. For just as God wants to be the recipient of the first fruit of your labor with your tithe, He wants to be the recipient of the first fruit of the week. But Jesus, of course, gave us a whole new meaning to the Sabbath. He came into the world to finish the work of His Father. And thus, He's able to give rest to all souls that come to Him. We don't need to strive for our salvation. He gives to us and gives our souls rest. God is honored when His children focus on Him on the Lord's day. God is honored. And the question is, Do you want to honor God? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Do I want to honor God? Or don't I? Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.